The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast live on Port Fan Radio. I'm your host, Maca 19, and sharing the co-host chair, as always, are Portia and Rick. Hello. Hi. How are we? Do you, see, do you see how I always let you go first, Portia? Aren't I, gentlemen? It's very polite. Thank you, Rick. Yes. All, without fail. Yes, I respect yes. my elders, you see. I don't think I'm older than you. I'm 42. No, you're definitely older than me then. Sorry. Damn it! <laughs> well, then you should be respecting your elders, Portia. Oh, well, okay, if I have to. Well, mate, or maybe we should be respecting our elder because there is someone a lot older than us on the show tonight. There is the great Harold Oliver. Welcome back. Great to be here, guys, with the doyens of the Bigfooty universe. Do you like being introduced based on your age? <laughs> That's fine by me. Nothing I can do about it. <laughs> he knows it. Yeah, he too knows much water passed under the bridge already. He knows I'm going to throw out something random at him, poor old Harold, aren't you? Bring on your worst, Rick. <laughs> I'll try. It's going to be tough to follow up from last week. That's it. Well, look, let's get straight into it. We've got a lot of uh, a lot to go through tonight. Uh, might as well start with uh, the AFL trade period, which has begun. A week and a half of uh, anger, frustration, hyperbole, and, of course, meltdowns. Uh, one of my favourite weeks of the year. Um, and... <laughs> I guess the good thing so far is that there has been quite a lot of activity, a lot more than usual, and a lot of big names have been moving. It's been very interesting to see Geelong uh, and their movements um, and what that means about where they think their list is at. Um, Obviously, Dangerfield is a bit of a no-brainer to do that trade, but um, bringing in the other player, um, that's a little bit interesting that they've gone for Scott Selwood and um, Henderson. Um, I had a look at that today. Yeah. I, th- I think they're just trying to plug holes on their list because I had a look today because I was a bit, little bit, um, I don't know, I, I sort of queried their decisions as well. But you look uh, through their age profile on their list and they've only got two regular players through the age of 23 and 26. Um, so they've now, or they'll be looking at bringing in four 25-year-olds. So I think it's more to sort of plug um, a pretty clear hole in their um, experience and age profile of their list, especially down back with Henderson for a, a first rounder next year in the 2016 draft. Well, I, th- I think maybe quite a few people might be scratching their head at that, but you look at the age of their key defenders and they're all, you know, 30 plus. You know, Harry Taylor's 29, uh, Lonigan's 31, Mackey's 31, almost 32. Um, you know, obviously there's Enright there as well, who's 34. Um, and then you go right down to a Jake Collard Jasny, who's uh, 20, and that's uh, pretty much all their key defenders. So bringing in a 25-year-old who you think will play, uh, you, you think they plonk him at centre-half back. Um, and he's also a pretty good swing man as well, can play out forward. I actually think that's a pretty good decision. Scott Selwood, you know, he played a... He had a, a really good year a couple of years ago and sort of fallen off the face of the earth a little bit the last two years. But if he can maybe find his, uh, his niche again uh, with his brother... Yeah, uh, it could be a pretty good uh, pick considering it's for free as well. Yeah, I, look, I mean, I, it's one of those things where if the short-term result of doing this is, was not positive, um, then it would be absolutely catastrophic because they're not trading any current things at the moment. They're trading their future draft picks. 
But if you're talking about there being a, a big hole in the edge gap, they've just created a new one for three or four years' time, um, or more than that. Uh, it'll bite them in the ass, really, unless they find a way to trade back into the draft next year, which is possible. You know, it's not that hard. And if they do reasonably well, then maybe they'll have a few players that are on the up and they can get back into the draft. But um, it's interesting to see them be as aggressive early as they have been. And uh, if, with the way they've conducted their trades, you have to think there's probably a couple more things they're thinking about doing as well. Um, or at least just sort of seeing if there's any little opportunities to pick up players along the way or pick up picks along the way or something like that. Well, you wouldn't uh, say no to Dangerfield for two draft picks this year. So that's a pretty damn good pick-up, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Henderson will certainly play a role down back, as Maka said, and he can swing yeah. forward as well. So, And both those players are, what, they're 25, and even uh, Selwood, he's around the 25 mark. So, as you said, short-term, they're not going to lose out with what they've yeah. done this year. And I suppose they think they've got a few years to make up for that. Yeah, those four players are all 25, so Dangerfield... Henderson, Selwood, and Zach Smith, who they're looking at bringing in as well. So I think they, they've clearly sort of targeted an age bracket that they want to fill because they've got no pretty much no one on their list in that sort of age bracket. It could backfire. No doubt it could backfire. It means they're without uh, first-round picks for the next two years. Um, their youth probably isn't as impressive as what they might uh, either think it is or what they might hope for. So I guess whether they're trying to maybe eke out a final premiership or a final crack at a premiership with this uh, with this list to try and sort of send off Bartel and Enright in style with uh, Dangerfield coming in. Um, that might be the reason. Um, but either way, I think they're either damned if they do, damned if they don't, because they're either going to fall off the face of the earth in the next couple of years or they sort of trade some experienced players in and maybe delay that for a few, few extra years. I don't know. Yeah. I don't mind it. I guess we should probably talk maybe a little bit about the danger uh, Dangerfield trade in a little bit more detail. <clears throat> a danger in pick 50 for 9.28 and uh, the superstar Dean Gore. Um, probably as good as a result for the Crows as what they would probably hope for, I guess, or what was realistic, mm-hmm. maybe despite the uh, the ramblings of their customers. But um, you know, I don't think they were ever going to get more than that. No, it's um, a very difficult position to be in, uh, the one they're in. Um, and I guess it really makes a folly, in, a, in some respects, uh, of the initial decision to draft him, um, which was questioned at the time, considering he was already already a stay-at-home sort of player at that point, wanting to finish off his education uh, in Melbourne with his mates. And you knew he was going to go back at some time. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, you know, if we tried to trade Brad Ebert, who was probably their other option at that pick, um, they would not got, not have got what they got for Dangerfield. So I guess at the end of the day, they've got a, they've done better overall, um, and they've really just extracted what they can from a pretty difficult situation. And it's hopefully one we won't be facing anytime soon. Mm. Yeah, Geelong have been good uh, AFL citizens, really, haven't they? They could have played hardball, but they just said it's. A, I'm pretty surprised that that trade went through first on the first day. I was really expecting that to maybe last a little bit longer and for maybe the Crows to ask for a little bit more. Maybe they... um, I I guess they've had a long time to sort of sort this out, but I was expecting them to ask for the first uh, first round picks this year and next year as well. I think that part of it is obviously the fact that Geelong wants to be a player in this trading period and you can't be a player if you're hanging on to your main trade until the last trade of the day. 
um, because you're competitively bidding for other players. Like, you know, um, Henderson probably had other options apart from Geelong. Uh, and if Geelong look like they're not able to deal, like they can't clear up the deals that are already on the table, uh, if they can't close until the last day, well, the club that's losing him doesn't feel all that great about that. They will be encouraging to go somewhere else and somewhere else, and he'll probably be feeling much a similar way unless there's a big price difference in terms of the wage of Mullins. So mm. I think it was just a matter of clearing the board so they could get on with doing some more deal-making. And I think that given the trading period they've had, I think that was probably the right choice. Crows go into the draft with two first-round picks, two second-round picks. Um, I guess we'll see um, if they try and uh, do some other things with those picks. I guess there's been talk of them trying to get uh, you know pick four or pick five, um, and, and giving off a couple of their first-round picks um, in exchange for that. Mm. I guess the next big trade uh, that's gone through was uh, Harley Bennell, um and pick twenty-two for uh, he's gone to Frio for pick sixteen and thirty-five. Um, if he can get his head right. Um, keep clear of uh, some outside influences. That's a pretty big bargain for Freo. Yeah, yeah. Are they still going for Cam McCarthy? Not sure how they're going to get him. GWS seem pretty adamant that they're not going to trade him and they've just given away a first-round pick. So unless they trade uh, next year's first-round pick, um, it's going to be hard to see how they get Cam McCarthy this year. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, if, if, if they do that, then that suddenly put them... I don't know if it's back in contention for next year, but given that their main issue is just that forward attack and bringing in Fennell, if he can be on track and bringing in McCarthy would just really fix them up as a side, really. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the Benell trade happening so early means that they're not going to get Cam McCarthy. I think they would have thrown two first-round draft picks if if they had to because he's so important to them, a key position player forward like that. Mm. Absolutely. Could be. Jack Redden's gone to the Eagles. That's uh, that's a trade that's been done, and uh, Lewis Jetta is also on his way to uh, to West Coast um, in exchange for uh, Callum Sinclair, who's gone the other way to Sydney. So that's a bit of an interesting trade as well. I'm a big fan of Jetta, and I think that um, Redden's pretty good. I think those are really good moves for the West Coast. Um, I'm not sure what it'll fix in terms of their ability to not put in awful grand final performances, but maybe there's more to come. I think Redden's a clear um, improve on Scott Selwood and Jetta will provide a lot of pace for them on the outside especially if they look like losing uh, Matthew Rosa who's uh, requested a trade back to Victoria so um, yeah pretty smart trading for the Eagles yeah definitely Rick what do you think mate? Yeah, a bit quiet there yeah, I'm just, I'm just listening to you guys waffle on. I don't really, I don't really give a shit other than the fact that at least they're doing deals. So it just makes me wonder why we can't do our deals, and it's uh, it's quite annoying as a supporter because uh, everyone seems to be reasonable with what they want, and uh, how come we seem to get the ones that are unreasonable? Good things come to those that wait. I have to say. Potentially. Well, is it unreasonable for Gold Coast to ask for more than just pick 10 for Charlie Dixon? I think so, especially seeing what's um, been going around on the market. I mean, have a look at what uh, Adelaide got for Dangerfield, pretty much what, pick 9 and uh, what, a second, was it 28? Pick 28, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a second rounder. So, And let's face it, Dangerfield is um, you know probably twice the player of what, even though it burns me to say it, than, than what Dixon is at this point in time. And, you know, they've come out and declared 
Dixon's uh, inadequacies as a player, especially with his injury uh, worries. So, you know, I think uh, pick 10, which is also what the media pundits are saying, is quite reasonable. So I don't understand uh, why they're really holding out and pushing for more. Well, they're well within they their rights to, to ask for more. You know, if they think they can eke out a second-round pick and improve their position in the draft, then good on them. You know, it's, I guess it's just a game of bluff and or a game of chicken and who blinks first, you know? So yeah, I, I wouldn't do it, to be honest. I would I would actually just go, well, you know, like I said yesterday on the forum, you know, if the rumour is that Melbourne's happy to take our pick at 29 or whatever it is for um, Tumpus, I would trade it away. I'd be going, let's do that deal. And I would be saying at Gold Coast, sorry, boys, that pick's gone. You guys are too long, took forever. We've got to keep going with our deal. So pick 10 still here. What do you want to do? And uh, and then they might actually pull their finger out of their buttholes and actually just take the deal. I don't believe that's a bluff we can afford to have called, quite honestly. No. Um, we tried that last year and it went through to the last hour with Paddy Ryder. Yeah, but what's going to happen? And Essendon ended up getting what they wanted. So <laughs> Dixon, Dixon wants to go to Port. Where, mm. where else is he going to go? No one's going to take him. Uh, you know, I would put him in the... I'd go, fine, go in the national draft and yeah, take him but, a 10. but he wouldn't want to do that because he couldn't have anybody where. And, you know, there are teams like... The teams... The Crows might hang on to their pick nine and draft him, you know. Melbourne would probably pick him at pick six, I'd reckon. Um, it, it's too dangerous for, to expect a player to do that when we can't force the situation. Um so, mm. But everyone's lovey-dovey at the moment, and oh well, let's help him get. Let's help these players get to where they want to go. Why mm. is Melbourne or Adelaide now um, going to uh, come out and go? Well, screw you. We're going to take he... you because you're available. And yeah. he'll go. Well, fine. I want give me one point four million uh, for one year, and uh, I'll take it, and then I'll go to Ken the following year. I just, it's not, it's not going to happen. So I just think... Yeah, but what between... sort of. There's a difference between saying, okay, we'll help you get to where you want to go in trade period and being in the national draft. Because as soon as you're in the national draft, you have said you're happy to go anywhere. That's what happens. What happened with Luke Ball? What didn't happened with Luke Ball? Didn't is he go he into the position, national draft? Is he a 25-year-old key position midfielder with um, the potential to be in a premiership side next year? Or is he a slow yeah. midfielder near the end of his career that was just sort of... But didn't he, he went into the draft and where did Collingwood take him in the draft? Second round. Second round. Yeah, right. So this I mean, isn't him. This isn't him. Yeah, but it's still it's still it's still a precedent, and I just can't see a club forcing someone who doesn't want to go there going there. I mean, this isn't the the national um, uh, you know first round first underage draft. This is <clears throat> you know serious. Hey, a, if we can't get a trade done, what does that say to Charlie Dixon? If we say screw you. Let's go to the draft. Yep. What, what does that no. say to Charlie? Does that it's say to him, it's... well, how much do how much does Ken Hinckley and Port Adelaide actually want me um, if they can't be bothered doing a trade or, no, or getting the deal says, done? It says that, mate, that Gold Coast are being completely unreasonable. But it's and... not... Yeah. Look, it's not only that, though. Like The issue is, like, Dixon isn't... It's not like he's a, an Ebert. You know, he's not got a huge Port Adelaide connection. If he ends up in another club for a year... 
is he really going to want to uproot another time a year later to go to Port Adelaide? Or is do, do the Melbourne club, for example, would Melbourne believe or would Essendon or God knows whoever else, or the Crows believe, yeah, no, if we get him here, we can win him over. You know, maybe he just wants out of Gold Coast as much as anything else. And if he finds another club and he settles in there, um, I think that most clubs would be pretty confident of being able to win him over, given there's no pre-existing loyalty to Port Adelaide as a club or Adelaide mm. as a city. But I'm pretty sure it's common knowledge that he wants to join Ken Hinckley more so than just get out of the Gold Coast. So I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that other clubs would identify that and uh, and just face the facts that he wants to go to a particular club. A bit like sure. Paddy D. Nick, Nick Stevens to to wanted to go to Collingwood and he ended up at Carlton and never got to Collingwood and stayed yep, at Carlton. Did. So yep. sometimes it doesn't work out. Yeah, you look at yeah. Ryan O'Keefe, he requested exactly. a trade to Hawthorne. They could, Sydney said, no, we're not going to trade you. Hawthorne couldn't come up with an uh, adequate deal, so he ended up staying. And Sydney. quite frankly, the O'Keefe one's a great example because in that off-season, I was very much a fan of us drafting him in the pre-season draft if he nominated for it. Um, why wouldn't you do it? You'd, you'd, you'd back yourself in to win him over, um, for sure. Mm. I just think with uh, Arlen's profile as well, we need, you know... a a key forward 25 year old player like Dixon and we've said to him that we're going to trade him in so I think we have to do it if we're yeah. going to if we're going to overpay for any trade in the last eight years this is the one we've got to do it for well is is trade period too long no it's it shouldn't be shouldn't be any shorter <clears throat> no no well the reason why trade period shouldn't be any shorter is because you do not want trades to fall through because it's taken time for a player agent to contact their player overseas or whatever else. Um, you know, and these deals can come up at late notice. You don't want there to be any excuses for trades not to go through like a club saying, oh, we can't reach this player. It's like, okay, you've got six, seven, eight, well, nine maybe, days to we'll, do it. Well, players that are potentially going to be on the trade table have to maybe consider uh, being contactable if they go overseas in this uh, Yeah, but they might, professional they might be con- world. They might be contactable, but it might be 24 hours later before they can actually sign off on anything or, or or think about it. You know, they want time to think about it the same as anyone else would. Um, but I guess if this is their career, well, maybe they, uh, you know, if they think they might be involved in this period, perhaps they don't go overseas for their during their most important part of their career. Rick, not everyone that's being traded will have thought I'm going to be traded, and secondly. Of all of the sacrifices that players make to play professional football, I don't think having to be contactable for two weeks so that fans don't freak out about trade period is a good enough reason for them to have a sacrifice on that occasion. Yeah, well, I just think if, if you are a professional footballer and you want to stay in the system and improve yourself in the system, well, you, you would be in a position that you are contactable 24-7. And uh, this is a professional world we live in now. Yeah. <laughs> They've got a. These are moving across the country decisions. These are discussions you have with your family, and you work out whether it's worth it to you. And you talk to the club when they've indicated an interest to you. And maybe you fly over and visit them, or all these other different things that happen. Plus you've got to have medicals medic- and yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. But yeah. most of the ninety-five percent of the players, all this would be, um, they would sort of have some forewarning before this period that is potentially going to come up. You know, it's uh, there's only there'd be very rare occasions where someone that doesn't have an inkling that they might be going somewhere um, ends up getting shipped off. 
Yeah, but it happens, so you've got to be ready for it. And what is the reason for changing it? The only reason, the only good reason for making it a shorter period is because fans freak out a bit. Oh, sorry, over-attached fans freak I don't out. Know, I, just, I just think it's inefficient. It's just too long. <laughs> no, it's not that hard. It's personally. not that hard to wait 10 days either, Rick. Yes, it is. You should say <laughs> here at Christmas time, crying out loud. Is it here yet? Where's Santa? Far out. <laughs> uh, let's move on and talk about our player reviews this week. As our fourth week of player reviews, we'll be going through what we've titled the pingers. So those players who dabble in a bit of ecstasy. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, those small forwards and mids who uh, love to have a run and a bit of a ping at goal. Uh, that's what we mean. Um, so the pingers. Uh, first off the list, Chatty Wingard. What is there to say about this young champion? He's only just turned 22, made his second All-Australian team in 2015. Um, in just his fourth season of footy, averaged over 19 disposals and nearly two and a half goals a game. Massive numbers. Um, kicked a goal in all-bar the last game. Kicked multiple goals in 17 games. Um, averaged three tackles, three and a half inside 50s, two and a half clearances. You know, just a magical season. He has had an amazing year um, and an amazing career up to date. Uh, I think he's probably the first player we've seen that could potentially, potentially, and fingers crossed and wood touched and whatever else, um, be about as good or maybe almost as good as Russell Ebert. Um, he has everything in his game. He's got he's got focus. He's got that winning drive. He has talent. He has fitness. There is not really an aspect missing from his game. Um, I can't think of a single thing I would need him to do that he has not done on the footy field. He's fantastic. Well, how many seasons has he played? Four now? Four, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, it, quite likely he'll be the, well, quite possibly the, you know, John Cale medalist as well. Yeah. Two All-Australian, two John Cale medalists in, you know, four seasons. Pretty impressive. It's uh, pretty ludicrous. And look, it's not, um, it wasn't his ludicrous goals, his great marks. Um, or his inspirational play that was the best of his season for mine. It was his incredible consistency. I mean, to play like that week mm. after week, all year, was just phenomenal. He, he literally didn't have a down game until the last round where you know half the players didn't look like they cared too much. But um, and certainly the opposition so. didn't bother turning up as well. But uh, you know to perform that way at that level week in, week out, it's um, ridiculous. He's a scary, talented player. Off of injury as well, Macca. I mean, he had a bit of a heat yep. from his standards. He had a slow start to the season as he because of the limited preseason. Um, but yeah, he just uh, yeah, really come on in the second half of the season. He, I I agree. He uh, he's going to be right up there in relation to our best players ever. Yep. And once again, it was his. Performances in big games that uh, really impressed me. He's uh, pretty much a prime-time footballer. He kicked uh, around about 50% of his goals against finalists, which uh, shows he doesn't just beat up on poor teams like uh, some other forwards in the league do. Uh, I thought he was great against Hawks uh, twice. You know, Frio in round one, he was fantastic. Best on ground against the Dogs. Um, you know, he had two good showdowns once again as well. Yeah, another thing is, uh, you know, admirably, he, you know, his quality of performance isn't reliant on the team playing well you know some of his best games were you know like against Geelong and Carlton when we were yeah. pathetic yet he was almost Indeed. playing a lone hand 
against Geelong, he had like 21 kicks and six handballs and four goals, and he kicked a career high of five goals against Carlton. That's fantastic stuff. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about playing the position he does is it's so easy. Like if you're going to have a, a player position where you're going to lose them completely from the game, it's going to be that sort of attacking role. Because if your team's getting pasted, it's really hard to get not only opportunities but also um, just to get in position to actually kick goals. And the fact that he manages to keep doing that even when we're being completely smashed, um, that's really what tells you how talented he is. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, when he gets better supply, it's going to be fearsome. Do we see him moving into more of a, a pure midfield role in the future or do we think he's too valuable in the current role that he's got? I see him potentially being, not not defensively, I think he'll still always stay before the in front of the um, centre line. But I think that if we had Dixon in the off-season, then potentially the need for him to be a closer-to-goal um, player is not there so much. In theory, we should be kicking to marking, marking targets more. Um, in which case he'll probably be, yeah, I've said it, I think, on one of the threads this week, probably Brad Johnson-esque in terms of how he'll play. He'll play through yep. midfield and probably kick, kick a few goals from around 50, but I wouldn't expect him to be much closer than that unless there's, you know, uh, end of the game needing a life-saving goal or something. Yeah, with less rotations, um, perhaps um, we'll rotate a lot of our midfielders through the forward line and he'll be one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think. I think it's becoming that sort of game now. Anyway, that there's, you got so many players that are just rotating as mid forwards or mid backs or whatever. So, and I don't know. We sort of lose. We'd lose something. I think just having him permanently in the midfield, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. his that small forward position is becoming such a valuable position on the ground now. I mean, look at the emphasis on. Um, on uh, Betts and, and Cyril and, and <clears throat> Co and what influence they have on a game, uh, you know, to sort of have that devoid because he's full-time midfield. You probably think he might become one of those pinch-hit players like um, Luke Hodge where where we need him at that crunch moment, that's where he might participate on the, on the oval. Yeah. He already probably is that, a bit of a pinch-hit midfielder. He does spend yep. a fair bit of time up there. Um, certainly more than he did in 2014. He probably went back to more of his sort of 2013 role this year. Um, I guess what I'm getting at is maybe does he become that sort of 50-50 midfielder forward like Robbie Gray is where they sort of spend you know half the time up forward, half the time in the midfield. And you know, he might maybe lose a goal a game from Chad, but he might also create an extra goal a game, you know. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things that I just really crossed my mind then when Rick was talking about less rotations next year is that just because there's less rotations between the bench and the field, it doesn't mean there'll be less rotations around the ground. Um, mm. So we might actually return to the old days where you rest players occasionally on the ground without yeah. using up your interchanges, and it might be in those circumstances that we will see Wingard pop up a bit more, maybe even defensively, if it looks like we're doing well in midfield. Um, if we're winning in midfield, then you can rest someone in back line quite possibly, and he could see a little bit of time there, but I wouldn't expect that to be the main role. Would we maybe interchange, um, you know, with Gray and uh, Archie standing up this year and assuming their form continues in an upward trajectory, could it be maybe Chad goes into the midfield and Robbie goes forward and, and swap them over vice versa to try and create a bit of flexibility and, and mess with the uh, the opposition a bit? I think that, well, I mean, we probably, yeah, we could do that. Um, 
it'll come down to how organised, I guess, our coaches are in terms of managing where players are and how they fit into a structure. Uh, I don't think we're going to have the same emphasis on having full-time, I suppose, forward players in that aren't key position forwards. I mean, we'll probably see Montfries do it a bit and probably need a bit, but otherwise I think it'll all just be on the burst from the centre, realistically. Yeah, there's probably a couple of other players that um, that probably need to step up for that to happen, and I guess we'll talk about them a little bit later on. Mm. Um, moving on, next player, Matty White, uh, 28 years old. He's a midfielder, played 18 games in his second year at Port Adelaide. Uh, numbers were slightly down across the board. He averaged uh, 12.8 touches, uh, a goal a game, 2.8 inside 50s a game as well. Maybe struggled for consistency a little bit throughout the year. Certainly looked like he was playing injured at the start of the season. Had a little bit of a break um, then came back and had such a fantastic end to the season. I'm so happy with Matty White. And this year, he has. I think he's really stood up um, in terms of his uh, ability to notice when a game's getting away and uh, when there's an opportunity to imprint yourself on the game and turn it around and make, gain the momentum. I think that's something where he's been really noticeable Where in games where he maybe wasn't the highest possession getter. Um, he came in, he laid crunching tackles or he chased up or whatever else, you know. Um, I thought he, particularly later in the year he was really consistent in doing that and um, that makes him a yep. really valuable asset to the side, I think. Yeah. I thought two of his better games were against North Melbourne where he only had nine touches but did kick three goals. And as mm. you said, um, in terms of uh, maybe low numbers, he only had six touches against Essendon, but I thought he was super important in that game. Oh, yeah, definitely. Was he another one that sort of suffered for a period... Um... Um, due to injury, because he 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 was he struggled for a while there, didn't he? I think yeah, certainly in the first sort of five or six weeks, it looked like he was labouring a little bit. He didn't have his burst speed, um, so I don't know if he had maybe a little bit of a hamstring twinge or maybe a bit of OP or something like that. But he had three or four games off, and you know his end of the season was fantastic, and he did have that burst speed back um, in the later yeah. half of the season. So. Yeah. Mm. Definitely. And just so, where do we twi- see him fitting in uh, next season? It will be twenty nine. Do we still see him having such a big part to play in our run and carry? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. He's playing unless Pollock comes back and he's super fit and even better, and he's playing twenty two games. Then yeah, definitely. Um, we'd need something amazing to happen. We'd need Pollock and Tumpus to come in and fill that role, and I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Eamon potentially could do, but I think White's got enough in him. I think he's smart enough and he's got the experience that we want to see if we're going to contest for a premiership. Um, I think next year he's absolutely safe and the year after he's probably okay too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, both he and Pollock are so important for our game plan, you know, just to, as you said, those electrifying bursts of speed and you know, Pollock's ability to cut through traffic and whatnot. Uh, they're really important for us to, you know, we seem to get bogged down trying to uh, cut through, you know, the opposition's press, especially early in the season, until Matt White did get a bit of that run back. Mm-hmm. So I think if they're both available next year, they'll be playing, unless, as Porsche mentions, we've got some sort of alternative. And besides uh, Tumpus, I don't think we have too many on our list that have that breakneck speed. Mm. No, and, and that speed is so important for breaking up zones. Um Zones are all based around a consistent uh, estimate of what you think the opposition players are going to do, and that determines how far you space out between players and all that sort of stuff. 
So if you can have a player that can really have a, an exceptional burst, then that just always makes it harder to zone up against, harder to defend against. That's part of Wingard's uh, excellence, and certainly um, the main thing I think that brings White's value to the side. I think he's one of those players that if he did lose that pace, if he wasn't able to come back and be as fast as he is, um, I think he'd be out of the side really quickly, which is a bit sad, but fortunately it's not a problem. It's all good right now. I'm with Porsche. If he's got no speed, he's probably out. If he's got mm -hmm. speed, he, he deserves to be in. Because uh, yep. he doesn't get enough ball to carry his uh, place inside without having that unique ability. And uh, Harold Ben was just on Twitter saying, couldn't recognise your lovely tones, but he, he loves your voice. So, and, uh, and Dylan just wanted to say that Chad's a high half forward. And once again, as always, Rick's always right. So you should never argue with Rick. <laughs> Okay, maybe I did exaggerate. Maybe I did exaggerate that a little bit from Dylan. But let's just go with that anyway. Good work, Dylan. Love you, man. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, moving on and talking about another 28-year-old. Uh, this time a small forward in Gus Monfries. He played 19 games in 2015. I thought he was better than his 2014. He averaged uh, 14 touches over a goal a game. Dropped twice throughout the year. Uh, seemed to switch between... You know, an attacking role and defensive jobs in the forward line and maybe got a little bit muddled um, at stages of the season in swapping between those two roles. I didn't mind his season. I know there was a little bit of criticism about it and I, I certainly wasn't his best season, but I think that um, in the games where we were not doing all that well, he still stood up and he still kept presenting and he still kept doing all the things he wanted to see. So it's really hard to fault him on that. But I think that... Um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with his year. I think he should be pretty happy with the year, and I look forward to seeing him play again next year. I don't think he's going to get ousted from the side anytime soon. Well, I'm really dirty that he's going to GWS. Huh? <laughs> he's going to GWS. Oh, really? Well, you're all that's right. Wow. Yeah. That's what I heard. Uh, who for? What do we get? Uh, I don't know. Who do we want? Cam McCarthy? Pick seven, <laughs> right. thanks. Pick seven, yeah. Oh, no, nah, no, nah, Macca, come on, mate. Be realistic. I want two first-round picks. Let's get it right. Let's get that right. He wants yep. to be there with Heath Shaw, does he? His best mate. Uh, well, no, I suppose he's good friends with Spike McVeigh. Mm. So, uh, but I think it's uh, not going to happen myself. The only, re the only no. way I can see Gus moving to GWS is if he's devastated that the Maylands has closed down their poker arm. And now he's got nowhere to play poker outside the casino. Right. What did he um, do? He is a gun poker player. He is a very good poker he's player. A, he is always a good poker the, player. He is hitting the scoreboard all the time at the Maylands pub. That's which is a uh, a legal um, out of casino poker venue in in Adelaide, and uh, he has pulled some very good results there. Hmm. This is the last year of his. I think this is the last year of his free agency contract. Isn't that the case? Do you think yes, that was correct. an impact on his performance? Yeah. I think we might. Usually, when people are out of contract after a long rest, they tend to have a contract year. Um, do you think we might be yeah. able to expect that? Well, look, he'll you be twenty nine. So. He'll be hoping for a two or three year deal after this one, yep. I would think. And you know, hopefully, that means that he pulls his finger out and becomes, um, you know, a bit of a better player like he was in maybe two thousand thirteen and gets around that sort of thirty five to forty goal mark again. But well, I, I I really like Gus. I think he's a, a crucial part of our side. I, I like his defensive jobs. Um, I don't know. Do we see what what do we prefer? Do we prefer him doing those defensive jobs, or do we 
prefer him maybe doing those more attacking jobs and getting those sort of you know twenty five touches and a couple of goals a game. I think well, I mean, it really depends on who the opponent is. You know, um, if we're talking about a a side that is very defensive and zoning focused, you absolutely want him playing as a defensive as a defensive forward because that messes up their ability to rebound and it makes their own defensive job a little bit harder. Um, if you're up against a, a more, I suppose, normal side, then yeah, just have him produce and kick goals. But that defensive role, it's got a real, it's yeah, for really specific specific opponents is um, when you want to see that. And like Fremantle's one, I'd actually <clears throat> like to see that regularly. Anyone that has yeah. a quarterback, um, yeah, have a go at that and play a defensive forward on them. Um, and if that's Monfries, then that's fine, I think. Yeah, he did a great job on Bob Murphy in round 10 against the Dogs in a, in a pure defensive role. I thought he was yep. great then, but um, I thought his best jobs were probably round 9 against Melbourne. He had 18-3, and three and I thought he was wonderful against Collingwood in that uh, Thursday night game where he had 23 and, and kicked a goal as well. Mm. That's exactly right, yeah. He also missed you know, a fair bit of the pre-season, so hopefully you know that won't happen this coming season. And as you said, he'll be fighting for a new contract and performing a mix of roles, both defensively and attacking the scoreboard. Mm. All right, next player, Jakey Knee, 21-year-old small forward, third season on the list, uh, played just the 10 games in uh, 2015 for nine goals, um, had a career-high 12.2 disposals a game, also had a three, 3.8 tackles a game as well, uh, kicked 13 goals and had 14 touches a game in his eight SANFL matches. I liken him to Cam O'Shea quite a bit in the fact that he seems to need half a season to get going, but once he does, he seems to really shine at AFL level. I'd say it's for a different reason to Cam O'Shea, and I think it's because they're all need players. Like I just talked earlier about how Wingard is exceptional in his role because he doesn't have those same ebbs and flows in his performance. Um, I think need is just a regular player of his position in that if there's no supply, he's got not a lot he can actually do. Um, apart yep. from lay tackles, which is good. Um, whereas O'Shea is completely different reason. It's because he, I, I think he takes time to, to get up speed, uh, get up to speed with the game, but I don't think it's the case with Need. Um, I think he's had a pretty good season. Um, I certainly He's not on my list of players I would like to see traded or delisted, which puts him in an exclusive club. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, just joking. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, I think he should be pretty pleased. I'd like to see him perform at least as good this coming year, um, I'd actually want to see significant improvement. Otherwise, he might end up on that list. Um, but if we perform better as a side, he might like it better with Dixon in the side as well as Schultz. Uh, maybe that'll help a lot. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he fits into that new setup, and it might take him a few games to get there. Um, if we do manage to complete that trade and set up for that, it'll be interesting to see how that whole structure works, quite honestly. And we probably won't know really until about midway through the year. Yeah. Hey, Porsche, you're getting blamed for the squeaky chair. <laughs> what? Why? On, on big footy. Ah, how? But Jumbo obviously hasn't listened in too often because he said you lot should wear name tags as he doesn't know who we are. I'm Rick. <laughs> there you go. Okay. If that helps. And uh, this is Porsche. Hi. And, uh, but yeah, is Rick the one who doesn't give a shit? Who are the other two? Yeah, that's about, that's about me, yeah. And it's me. I've got the squeaky chair, mate, so don't worry about it. I thought everyone knew that by now. Yeah. Jumbo's a big fan of Rick. Your chair can be heard from space, Rick. It is. Jumbo a big fan of me, is he? Oh, well, Rick Davies, I think, but anyway. Oh, 
You're so funny, Harold. I, do you know what I liked about Jake Neve this year is I, I like the sign of leadership that he had at the SANFL level. He was, uh, for a young kid, um, he was really directing players when I was watching the Maggie games. And Harold, you'll probably be able to comment on this a bit more because you focus on this quite a bit. But it was something that really caught me by surprise. You know, for you know, sometimes the Aboriginal uh, kids can be a little bit shy, and uh, but he, um, yeah, he was really confident out there and and had that uh, ability to be giving direction. Is is that something you notice with Needy as well? Yeah, when he's confident, for sure. I, I think you've hit on something there. I, I thought he was in pretty good pre-season form actually, and then. There was a couple of like laser tactical sort of uh, efforts. You know, missed a couple of targets against Frio, missed a fairly easy goal, and seemed to lose a bit of confidence. But um, I think you're right. When when he's on song, you know, he's he, he's got a bit of leadership about him, Jakey. I've got a lot of confidence he'll have a good year in 2016. When he's in form, he's insatiable. You know, he's just great to watch. Lays big tackles, super quick. You know, just knows how to get the ball and kick goals and. I really think we need his top to come on and become a, a genuine 22-game contributor. If we can get maybe 30 goals a season out of him next year, then it would go, I reckon, a massive way to us making finals and beyond. And you know, I think we still lack a consistent crummer uh, with numerous players sort of going through there throughout the season. Uh, so if Needy can come on, become you know that sort of consistent forward, that would do wonders. I don't think there's room for a full-time crummer, um, but certainly he would be one of the players I'd like to see in that role. Uh, and there should be opportunities for that to happen, but he just really needs to keep. He really needs to just become a, a I think a really a good half forward midfielder type before he becomes anything relating to a crummer because crummers don't have a lot of durability in the league. Um, just for his own success and his own career prospects, he probably needs to work on that angle. Yep. Next player, Jared Pollock, um, had a blistering 2014, and I guess things didn't really go to plan for Jared in 2015. Um, played just the five games at AFL level uh, before a navicular injury finished his season after round five. Uh, whilst in the side, his form was outstanding, I thought. Still very good. Averaged 18 touches, two inside 50s and three and a half tackles a game. It's great in round one versus Freo and also against Hawthorne. Shit, yeah, Polek. What's going on? Don't be injured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you game, come on. <laughs> would we have made would we have made finals if he was fit the whole season? Yes. Is he that influential to our side? Uh, I think I he's think... influential to the way that we play, and I think yep. uh, if he played the whole season, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we would have almost pushed for top four. I think that's pretty accurate. And again, like Macker, I don't think it's because he's an exceptional player, but because he is an exceptional player on our squad. Yep. I think back to games like uh, the Carlton game, for instance, where we just looked so lethargic. He would have been a player that would have just come out and, um, you know, sort of got us out of that rut a little bit at times throughout that game and, you know, tried to take the game on and and, uh, and give us back some control. I think he's got that sort of leadership in him where he just lets his football do the talking. Yeah, yeah. It, look, it's exciting to think what he can do in the future, but he's just got to keep working at it. Um, Tribe's tip that he can carry corn dogs is really nice, but um, he's got a big pre-season coming up, and it'll be interesting to see how he goes through that. Carl Amon, 20 years old, uh, second year on the list, played seven games in 2015 for 10 touches, two and a half tackles, and almost a goal a game. Um, averaged 18 touches and four tackles a game in his 12 SANFL matches this year. 
Um, had the one big game against Gold Coast where he had uh, 16 touches and three goals and looked like an absolute star in the making. But other than that, um, he was given the vest in five out of his seven games. And um, yeah, I think he's got uh, a lot of talent and uh, certainly one to watch for the future. Yeah, he's first off the rank if uh, Pollock doesn't work out pretty much at this point, I would think. Um, yeah, he's. Uh, I think he did did himself a lot of credit, I think, in his games this year that he played at AFL level. Uh, for a player at his stage, he's pretty much progressing like you like, like you would want him to. Um, and it's really just a matter of him continuing to work hard, at, probably at SNFL level uh, for the most part. I'd be surprised if he played more than about five games, honestly, if everything is going okay. Um, but he's just got to keep pushing and being patient and sensible and doing all the right things. And if he does that, then there's really... I feel like there's probably an AFL career in it for him if he can keep just being patient and progressing, and hopefully that's at Port Adelaide. Yeah, this is big footy, buddy. Um, It's been a pleasure watching (laughs) Carlos's development this year. Yeah. Yeah, I I think there's no doubt he needs to bring more consistency to his game and to be more involved in the game for longer periods of time, but Mm. as you said, Porsche has made really good progress with his football development this year, and I'm hoping he can build on that you know, next year. Yeah. Well, I think it's probably the mental side of the game that he needs to improve, you know, that sort of desire and, you know, attention to detail, that sort of thing. Certainly against Collingwood, there was quite a bit of criticism about how he played um, that evening. He seemed to be maybe a little bit overawed by the situation, a little bit. But, um, you know, he came back late in the year and and had a good game against uh, Gold Coast, as I said. And, you know, I think he could be the ace in the pack if he can develop and become, um, you know, a regular contributor at AFL level. I mean, that just opens up a world of opportunities for other players in that side. Do you think there's a possibility, um, because we're just talking about, I think I think players are going to need to be more versatile uh, in future if you're going to be a good side. Um, and we've seen he can actually do an okay job as a half forward. Do you think he's going to go into more of a backline position? Because I think he did play there as a junior. Do you think he'll develop that um, string to his bow in the next couple of years? It's an interesting to... one. It's it's a possibility. I'd certainly like to see him off a back flank because I think his foot skills are, are wonderful and you know, he certainly hit a lot of targets uh, going forward, has good pace. Um, whether he's got that sort of defensive side to his game or whether he'd just be another broadbent, I'm not too sure, but um, it's certainly an option that could be worth um, looking into. Yeah, because, I mean, if you want to get a position in a side, the more positions you can play, the better, right? Yeah. Um... That's what undoes Lobby last year. That's what undoes a lot of players. Uh, no, you're right. He has got a beautiful, long, accurate kick, as uh, Macca was saying. Mm. But I, I, I would question his um, defensive side of his game. But he's, you know, just a young player. It's learning his craft. Well, I mean, with Sean Bergwijn, we played him at full-back pretty much just so he could develop that defensive side of his game. I'm just wondering whether, we're, at Magpie's level at least, if we gave Amon a shot at doing that, potentially, and giving him certain instructions on how to develop uh, under Nathan Bassett, who I think would be a pretty much perfect coach for that. Yeah. The only thing I thought was a bit rough <laughs> is... Um, what? Uh, uh, Rick, if if your recovery from sugar addiction is anything like what Harley Bennell's going to go through in the off season, I think he's going to have a very rough 2016. I tell you what, it is shit house. It is shit house. I don't know if anyone's tried to do it, but it is just as bad as trying to give up smoking. It is. I, I actually, I actually went on a two week hiatus from sugar and caffeine. Um, that was really rough. I've got to say, I was very glad to get back on it. It is. Mm. Well, I mean, Carl, you guys have summed it all up. 
Carl really. I mean, the only thing I thought was a bit harsh was uh, when he got dropped. Um, you know, people were questioning his physicality because I thought he uh, was quite phys- physical at, at opportunities at AFL level. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. As a young fella, um, he'll he'll get there hopefully. And uh, Scott S just tweeted in saying. He's enjoying the work tonight from everyone, which is a surprise. Surely he should be bagging out of me. Everyone else is Scott, especially the crew yep. here. Uh, just on Amon, if he can stop saying poor power in public, he will improve next year. Yes. I Very have no true. problem with him saying poor power. Why not? Power! Poor! It's in our name. It was in our club poor. song for years and years, you know. when I Whenever I hear the club song, I always insert poor power before power in that last line. It just... It's there. It's just in my brain. It's now, a habit. So, well, yeah. I'm on a tangent. I don't actually care. To be honest, it doesn't actually bother me at all. It's our nickname. And what's wrong with abbreviating our name and putting our nickname to Port Power? It's mm. it's uh, a bit of hyperbole banging on about Port Power and being anti-Port Power. I don't have an issue with Port Power as just like a general thing, but when journalists do it, it shits me because they should know better. Yeah. But yep, then I'd like a true. journalist to say Port LA Football Club. Yep. It's too long. Too many syllables. The AFC. Just pair. Yeah, I'd, I wouldn't want to share. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, oh, know. we've actually got a caller here. So let's oh uh, let's take this call. Shit. Dylan, <laughs> how you going? Hey, guys. Thought I'd just call in uh, in the middle of this schlock and just say, Johnny Butcher, Johnny Butcher. The Butch. <laughs> Oh, I love it. This is the best call in ever. Dylan, you're hot, man. It's, it's true. <laughs> yeah, you are hot. Oh, it's truly off season, your voice. Thank you very uh, much. Yeah. I like it. That was the worst call in ever. Yeah, that's right. Ah, the butch, right. Have a good one, guys. Keep going. Keep <laughs> Thanks, going. Dylan. Cheers, Dylan. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, why isn't he a That's gold. What a fade. It's great. What a legend. Dylan can come over for a swim anytime. We should explain that joke, but we're not going to because it's still funny. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Yes. Next player is uh, Jesse Palmer, 18-year-old, uh, mid-sized forward, played 20 games uh, in the SANFL for uh, 19 goals, averaged 11 touches and five marks a game, uh, was an emergency mid-season as well. Uh, maybe a couple of poor games here and there, but otherwise I thought he had a very consistent season and uh, you could certainly see the improvement in him as the season went on. I don't know a lot about Jesse's form this year, um, but I haven't heard anything that made me worry and um, hopefully you guys know a bit more. Please, Harold, do you see a lot of uh, SANFL footy? What did you think of his season, mate? Well, he was the big uh, late game day podcast inaugural first year player award winner so that's got to say something and Hocking mm-hmm. said you know he was starting to show a bit of class during, during the year and I reckon he did show a lot of class and a lot of durability you know playing you know more games than any other one of our 2014 draftees uh, there was a bit of a knock on him at the start of you know before he started playing that he you know his kicking for goal was a bit faulty but he, he seemed to do pretty well he generally kicked well finished uh, as Mecca said with 18 goals in 19 games and he was uh, either an equal or leading goal kicker in three of those games. And he takes a, a good strong mark for a small forward. And he's, he is very reminiscent of Gus Monfries in looks. He's just like a taller version of 
Gus Montfries, but um, he doesn't have a left side, but he's not the only one in the, the Port Adelaide squad that has that knock on them, but he's a... I, I think he's going to make it as a player. I'm, I'm pretty enthused mm. about our whole 2014 draft class. Wow. That'd be something. Macca loves Palmer. Don't you, I do. I'm a fan. I think he's got uh, a lot of potential. I think uh, he needs just a little bit of refinement and then he should be able to start getting games. Um, probably next year, I'm probably expecting him to get three or four games and then really kick on in uh, sort of 2017 onwards. Yeah, I think the fact that he was uh, made an emergency for one of our games shows the sort of esteem he's held him by the you know selection panel. So that augurs well as well. Yeah. Lack of pace is probably one thing that I'm critical of. I think uh, something that he needs to try and improve somewhere along the line. But um, if he can't, I still think he'll turn into a, a fairly decent player. Um, he'll probably the, the most natural sort of player to take over sort of Gus Moffrey's role, as you said, Harold, um, in, the, in the AFL side. So we'll see how he goes. Yeah, and towards the latter part of the season, he played more of that high half forward role whereas you know early on he was you know stationed more on the forward line but he moved up and down the ground a lot more uh, in the second half of the season and performed admirably yeah had a good final series as well which wasn't true for too many of our Magpies players Mm. that's right and the last player we're going to talk about is Johan Wagner 24 years old uh, played 13 games in the SANFL this year uh, for an average of eight touches uh, a game, uh, kicked 10 goals in his 13 matches. Um, as we know, he was the winner of uh, the TV show, The Recruit. Um, I thought he had some pretty good form mid-year, kicked six goals in four weeks and, and was getting quite a lot of the ball, but uh, his worst games were literally pretty horrible. I'm devastated. Really? <laughs> I, I saw so much potential in Yoey. I thought he was going to be... like the next Simon Tregenza. I uh, I think we cut his career short way too early. You need no. sugar. All right, no, I just... You definitely need sugar, Rick. It was, the writing was on the wall, wasn't it? But at least he got an opportunity and he got to live his dream for a year. That's right. Yeah. Yep. All credit to him. Absolutely. He uh, got to live his dream and yeah, you know, it was still a, a bit of a smart pick, I guess, Um we all saw him in the internal trial and how well he played then and, you know, his burst speed and his ability to get the ball and kick goals, but just didn't really show that um, in any sort of consistency at SANFL level throughout the year. And I guess that's probably his level. He is a, he's probably a bit of a SANFL reserves player who can play um, some good SANFL footy here and there. Yeah, and look, I mean, it's one of those things um, they talk about with the club, you know, is if you tried your hardest and you weren't quite good enough, well, you're still part of the Padalai Football Club and uh, certainly I hope he considers himself that. Um, good on him. Good, him. good on him for having a crack. So, yeah, good. Uh, well, footy makes me laugh sometimes. I hope it makes you laugh all the time, Rick. It's not meant to be serious. <laughs> oh, really? I've been crying sometimes over what people say about me, so you're telling me I shouldn't be. <laughs> Shit. What are they saying? <clears throat> hey? What are they saying? Oh, now Jumbo's telling me I need to wake up and putting um, Wiggles pictures up on me. And uh, No, I'm having a look at the, um, the Dylan put up Ben Dink- Dixon's uh, ankles exploding as a picture. And now uh, 
now that someone's put up Roger James, James uh, Frank, uh, Franco and someone else with their uh, knees exploding. You need to see it. <laughs> James Franco. <laughs> James, James Franco. <laughs> It's freaking awesome, man. Primus Franco and James, it's, 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 and you've equated that to James Franco. Uh, James Franco is better. Imagine him playing at four. Can we get him on the rookie list? Oh, wow. He would be awesome. <laughs> get him on there. Uh, whoever, whoever that Franco guy is. On that note, we should probably call it quits for this evening. Harold, thanks for coming on again, buddy. Thank you, guys. Calm the pair. Calm the pair. Hey, what's the butcher joke, anyway? Gray was brave. Running hard, more getting hey, forward. Hey. One last chance. Boat brilliant. Wines. Monfries centering ball. Cassisi. Hot wheel. <laughs> you know who again. It is his birthday. <laughs> Kids are freaking.